0: gang happy monday and it's a big one and a bold one this week as i have a uh, very giant sized mega sized interview with the one and only dave smith you could have caught this live if only you were supporting lions of liberty on one of several platforms including patreon patreon.com slash lions of liberty for the patreon adverse we also have locals at lionsofliberty.locals.com where you will get live streams of all my interviews early access to everything we do here for our lion supporters a measly five bucks a month and you don't have to wait like like the pores i'm sorry everybody but that being said it is a big one i want to get right into it here is my live stream from the other night with dave smith All right, and we are, in fact, live. After a little bit of technical difficulties, which resulted in uh, a little bit of a change in the usual background, you see, we now have a, a dark background to signify uh, the emergence of Dark Mark. And, and we'll get into that. But uh, I am very pleased to welcome, of course, he is the host of A Part of the Problem. He is, I guess I guess it would be safe to say, one of the major driving forces behind the Reno Reset, the uh, Mises Caucus takeover of the Libertarian Party. He is the one and only, at least the one and only comic, Dave Smith. There are probably other Dave Smith. But Dave,
1: are you ready to roar? I'm always ready to roar. I invented roaring and one of oh, really one of the leading figures Is this how we're going to start story? things off <laughs> Listen every time I make a good point the background's going to get a little bit lighter So my <laughs> my goal is to to white out and bring back friendly Mark Claire by the end I'm going to bring back the watcher That can be
0: your that can be your goal to uh to to re-enlighten me to to uh you know to by the end of this podcast we'll see if you can get me to you know pay at least like five bucks in the Mises caucus or, or something like that. We'll see. There you go. It's going to be a mighty test, but we're, we're going to give it a shot. But, uh, but before we get into all the, the politics and all that jazz, I mean, it's actually been a long time since you and I have just done. Well, you had me on your show back in like October, and I, I do want to kind of touch on some of the things we, we talked about there as well, because I, I think both of us in the last you know, three or four years have, have probably gone through a lot of life changes, uh, got married, you have Two kids now, mm. and I know that you know. I, th- I think when that happens, especially for you, I mean, having actual birth children, mm. um, I know that is like a, a really life changing experience. And I know you've talked about this before, how it's it's changed your perspective on some things. So maybe we could just start there. If you could get into just how like you know finding your wife, having these two kids, and all the experiences you went through there, how is that? shaped like not just your worldview but maybe even you know the way you look at politics the the way you prioritize certain issues and that sort of thing oh yeah
1: well i mean i don't know there's a lot there's a lot to that question um certainly i i think having kids is like the most profound change in what you value and what's actually important to you and i think that um is there's nothing that gives you like a uh, a lower time preference than having children there's, it's, I think by definition that you care more about what's going to happen after you're gone than what happens when you're here. Um, I think it, it certainly encouraged me to, like in terms of the political stuff, I think it encouraged me to maybe uh, be less guilty of uh, our mutual friend Pete a uh, uh, critique of libertarians of living in theory in their head and to really be much more focused on the real world. Like, I don't care nearly as much about pure theory. I care much more about real life. Um, I care much more about stability uh, than I used to. I don't just care about kind of like a lack of like immoral actions. I care much more just about like that things are okay and stay reasonably. Like, I want my kids to have a shot to have a good life. That's the most important thing to me. I think it, but much more than the political, what it really changed was just my experience in life in like everyday life um having much more of a um a kind of centered existence uh where there's there's that before I had kids, even after I had met my wife, I really felt you know in love with her very quickly, and I knew I wanted to spend the rest of my life with her but our life before having kids was still kind of about like what do you want to do tonight like you want to go see a movie or grab some dinner that would be fun let's do something fun let's enjoy our life you know but that was kind of the center of life was like i i don't know i enjoy doing comedy and i enjoy doing libertarian podcasts and i like my life whereas now there's my life is very centered around like a very clear purpose and meaning which is about always like making sure I'm doing everything right for my kids. And there's something incredibly liberating and um, that brings you like a profound happiness, which I guess is somewhat counterintuitive. But when you're not living for yourself and you're really living for others, you yourself are actually much happier. So there's a lot of kind of like ancient wisdom, I think that I've learned over the last few years. And then, um, you know, I had a really, uh, very difficult, um, but very life-changing experience with my boy when he was born. And, and there was a real, he, he almost died as a very young baby and had, you know, uh, some major, major health problems. And, um, that changed me in a very profound way that, you know, it was a real wake up call about, um, you know, how much everything can be taken away from you and that, you know, how much, uh, um, is really out of your control in this world which it's very it's very easy to feel like you've kind of you know that you you kind of really achieved everything that you have in your life and you really kind of have ownership over it but the truth is that none of it is really in your hands and we all rely constantly on on the you know the universe or however you want to look at it on god or whatever you how know. new age yeah but the, <laughs> you know that, that things are really like you know it really it really taught me i mean many lessons it's hard to answer this you know succinctly but uh in in the simplest way i would say that it, it taught me to really appreciate um what i have and how lucky i am
0: yeah i think we talked about it a little bit on part of the problem too like like it's just this instinct that you have when you're faced with something so potentially serious like the potential loss of a child that was just brought into this world where it's just your natural instinct to pretty much just break down on your knees and start praying because at some point you realize like i can't i don't have control over this thing that's happening really i can just i can either sit here and and be upset and be nervous and, and be scared or i can just put it out there and sort of just talk to the universe, talk to God, whatever you want to say it. But I mean, did, did that change your perspective on, I, I guess, I guess reaching out to something else in, in a way, something bigger than you, does that change your perspective on certain issues at all? Cause I, I think even, even the way I see little, like, I don't think there's any, a point in my life where I would have been okay with, uh, with the you know kids going to drag shows, but there's something now that I, I, I see it as such pure evil. Like I see it as on such a different level than I even I might have, you know, four or five years ago. Have you, has that changed the way you see, like, I don't know, just degeneracy and things that maybe a lot of libertarians would just say, this is people's lifestyle. just just accepted until you see it pushed upon children. And does that, does that kind of affect you in a
1: different way now? I think so. Yeah. I think I pretty much agree with that. I mean, like when you, I think, and it's not just, I mean, like, that's kind of like, that's a good example because it's, it's such a like in your face, blatant example of it, but just more generally the, I, I'm more angry at the boomer generation than, uh, than I ever was before. And I don't mean, I'm not trying to be like a collectivist with this. I understand that there are exceptions to this rule, but generally speaking, I think the boomer uh, generation, which I I think my mother's an exception to this rule. I think my mother-in-law is an exception to this rule. There's lots of great boomers out there. But the fact that a whole generation could sit sit there while this whole thing was so clearly being destroyed, and by this whole thing, I mean our society, that they were handing nothing over to the next generation and that this wouldn't just be like, you know, like if I were just sitting in my house and my house went from being worth you know, $70,000 to being worth $500,000, I wouldn't just be sitting there going, sweet, look at all my equity it went up. I'd be like, wait, but how's my kids' generation going to afford a house? Most people say
0: sweet and most people I know are like, sweet, look at, look at this 30% in two years. And like, you don't, you you didn't, you don't see where this is going.
1: You don't see this as like a problem. And and this is so true. This runs through with so many of like the cultural norms in, in our society, all being destroyed. You're like, but how does this work? How does this work for like the next generation? You ever see those things like where they'll show, it's just like, like kind of like funny memes. I don't know. It'll be something like, oh, you know, discovering a picture of your grandmother today. And it's like some woman in like a modest dress or whatever. And it's like (laughs) discovering a picture of your grandmother, great grandmother in, you know, 50 years. And it's like some Instagram thought or like something like that, you know, like in a thong, like all tatted up and shit. And you're like, but isn't that just like, you're like, oh, yeah, this, how does this work? How does any of this work for like the next generations? Oh, no one, no one cares. No one's thought about that. And the idea of like, like embracing like this degeneracy. And and these things that like can't possibly hand to the next generation. What we are all so lucky that so many people worked their fingers to the bones to hand to us that we have no sense of responsibility of like handing something along to the next generation. It's like, oh, it makes my blood boil. And yeah, I mean, I I do think I, I I agree with you that I think seeing like those those some of those videos and images that you know, Robbie said it today. We were talking about it on the podcast on my podcast day. We responded to uh, Elizabeth Nolan Brown's piece in uh, Reason about mm-hmm. this. But you're like not the one that's like, well, you might you might not like it if people, parents bring their kids to drag shows, but you know, based on the libertarian ideology, that's okay. And it's and she doesn't even really get into the libertarian ideology. She's just doing like mental gymnastics to make it okay. It's like, mm-hmm. well, like not drag isn't inherently sexual, and it doesn't have to be sexually inappropriate. And you're like, yeah, how about the video I just watched? It's not going to lick itself. Seems inherently sexual. Well, we go. Well, it's like, the, like, me and Rob were saying. It's like, yeah, I guess in theory, like someone could just dress up like Mrs. Doubtfire and like do a non-sexual <laughs> show. But that's not any of the images that I'm seeing. So, like, could we at least first just talk about what is happening? Like, what's actually happening, and then maybe get into your theoretical about like what. Uh, How you would know? I
0: feel if they went to a Mrs. Doubtfire esque dra-
1: drag show? I'd have to I'd have to really think about that further. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that, that might be okay. I don't know. Maybe that um, would be funny. Maybe that would be but, fine. Like, but there's something about when you see those, like this is a gut thing that comes from your insides. Like it, this is like, when you see that shit, you, you feel like, I, I feel almost like I, I like I shouldn't be allowed to see this. Like it, it almost feels like someone's like showing you kitty porn or something. You're like, what the fuck am I watching? This is like horrific. And the idea that anyone, I, I mean, I think I always would have been against that cause I'm like a sane human yeah. being, <laughs> yeah. but, having little kids and you're like is nobody like that there's something like to me like there's nothing like it's like almost like the essence of morality like or the most important thing morally speaking that you could do is that you would put your kids well-being above yourself like there, there would be nothing that could be more like um abhorrent than if you were like you know imagine some situation where like I don't know it's like a life or death a life or death situation and I choose to sacrifice my kids to save myself. Could there be anything that you could think of that would just be more like oh my god what a horrific human being you are. Like that's the most on the most base level that's what you're here to do is to make sure that you would take that bullet and save them. And this idea that you have these people who are putting their own what is it? Like what do they even get? It's not like they're getting ten million dollars or something. What you get some virtue points. You you prove that I'm not the intolerant one, and for that I will potentially sacrifice the well being of my children and put them through this very weird, creepy thing. I just like I I don't know. It's really hard to um to put into words how disgusting the whole thing is, and then uh you know to, to see anyone even try to defend it it it's a very weird feeling that it's hard to find any other issue, you know, you know, someone might be for socialized medicine and you're not for socialized medicine, or even someone might be for the lockdowns or like the vaccine mandates or even for like wars or like some really horrible thing that you're not for, but okay. You could still kind of think like, "Mm, maybe they haven't heard the right arguments or. Maybe they're just like propagandized or maybe they're they are bought of a the pharmaceutical person.
0: propaganda or whatever. But like, yeah, what, what propaganda could they buy to make them think that's okay?
1: Yeah. But even if you thought like, oh, you're kind of a bad person and you're getting your authoritarian impulses out through this, there's something about this one that's almost like, I don't know, man, like it, maybe we're just not the same species. Like, I, I don't know. What do we even, how can we even have a conversation on this? Maybe me and you are just not the same thing. If you actually looked at that same video, I love. if you look at a video of like five-year-olds putting dollar bills into a G-string of an adult and don't think like, oh my God, this is like horrifically inappropriate, I, I don't even know where we go from there. Well, I'll tell
0: you where I would go this summer if I was a young man or a young woman. Between the ages of, say, 16 to 24, that would be the event being put on by our newest sponsors. That is the Reason and Power Summer Seminar. And this event, well, it's not for me. It's not for me because this is for young people. This is for youth age 16 to 24. I am, let's just say, older than that. But, my gosh, do I wish somebody had kicked me in the butt and sent me to something like this when I was that age. This is a fantastic seminar bringing young people from all around the U.S. and beyond for deep discussions on foundational philosophical texts. They utilize the powerful Socratic method where students learn through dialogue, not just from lectures. By the end of this event, students are going to discover just amazing connections between the ideas that they read and discuss and the contemporary world that they inhabit. The bridge that I have been trying to help people cross for much of this podcast. How to take this theoretical and apply it to the real world where that's exactly what you're going to learn to do. Well, maybe not you, but maybe a young person around you or a young person that you know. Uh, Although I do know we have a good number of young people listening to the show, so if you are between the ages of 16 to 24, or you have a loved one who is, you gotta send them or send yourself to the Reason Empower Summer Seminar. Register by June 15th. You gotta do this soon, friends, to take advantage of the early bird discount. For more information, visit thegreatconnections.org slash seminars. Again, that is the Reason Empower Summer. Head over to thegreatconnections.org slash seminars. Is that part of why, because you've talked a lot about, like, I think in the last year or two, I heard you mention it a number of times, kind of just encouraging um, what I think is like a, makes up a bulk of your audience is like young men, encouraging them to just start a family or at least maybe just be open to the idea of starting a family. Because I think so many young men, at least I know in my 20s, I was very much like. I'm not going to have kids. I'm not going to have a family. Screw that. I'm just going to have fun and this and that. And I think when you get out of that mindset, and I don't want to discourage anyone from having fun in their 20s, that would be quite hypocritical of me. Sure. But I, I think you know when you sort of bridge that gap and I guess mature from that attitude and prioritize things different, it does it does really change the way you you view everything. It changes the way yep. you view not just politics, but I mean anything at all. But I, I think especially when it comes to the issues that are facing people in real life. Now, so much of it does seem directed at at children. So much of it, whether it's the, the drag queen stuff or just put, you know, pushing shots onto kids. Now they're, they're even now they're still going with this and saying, Oh, pretty soon we can do it for under five-year-olds. And it's just this kind of stuff. It's just on a a whole different level of sickness. And I, I don't know, I don't know what, if that's part of your motivation, but to me, it's like the more people that maybe can see the seriousness and the inherent, just evil in this stuff, like the better. And I mean, I'm not a utilitarian. I wouldn't say get families. So you see, this is wrong. But I think there is something there just um, to, to that. You, you really do see things a lot differently when when you have other
1: people that you're responsible for. Yeah, well, I OK, so I agree with all of that. And it's not it's not as if I mean, look, I had a lot of fun in my 20s, kind of or like fun, you know, but like I'm not I'm not really telling like 20 year olds, like don't have fun in your 20s. I'm telling you, I think you're not actually having that much fun. And you're just kind of convincing yourself that you are mm-hmm. like, I don't actually, th- it's, it's like, yeah, I guess it's kind of fun. It depends on how you, you know, define that word. I guess it's kind of it's fun. temporary fun. It's, it's yeah. temporary pleasure, but it's not actually really fulfilling. Yeah. It's fun. Like playing with action figures when you're eight, you know, like, <laughs> right. which is like, yeah, basically what you're doing. You're being a prolonged child. You're prolonging adolescence for like another decade. And it's, um, mm-hmm it's not good i don't i don't think it's good for individuals i don't think it's good for us as a society i think it's like the the you know if i mean again the word fun is a little bit tricky cuz there are some things that are like I, I don't know if exactly that's how i would describe it like in the same sense that like if you um you know if you like sit on your ass and eat potato chips and watch tv that that could be pretty fun and if you like uh wake up at 5 a.m. every day to train for a marathon, that maybe wouldn't be described as fun. And if you were to measure like the happiness level of both of those people at particular moments, it might be like, oh, yeah, the guy running this marathon is like not as happy as the guy sitting on his ass eating chips, but.
0: But I bet I bet the guy running the marathon is happier for the rest of the day exactly. than, than the guy that ate chips for an hour. Maybe that hour, the hour of the chip eating, he's happier. But the rest
1: of the day, he probably is not happy. Right, exactly. And who who's like doing something that we admire more and who's who's actually has more meaning in their life and who's kind of doing something impressive and so and and the um the positive um feelings that come from actually doing like being a man. And actually doing something that you're kind of proud of yourself for doing, um, which you get from taking care of your wife and kids and stuff is is much more lasting and powerful and meaningful than the temporary little bit of fun you get from like partying or something like that. So I don't know. I mean, I basically just I figured this out myself um, and then I just kind of felt like, well, well, I mean, wouldn't it be like shitty of me to not share that? with other people. I mean, if I've figured out a little bit of wisdom, you know, since I was 25 and I got 25 year olds listening to me and like influenced by me, would I just not tell them that that would seem like a shitty thing for me to do? And I don't, I'm not a very, um, like in the spirit of, I think some of the people like that I'm influenced by, I'm not somebody who like browbeats you with it. I don't like, you know, I, I don't like, kind of preach in this aggressive way that you must conform to you know I'm not like like I but I but I let it be known I let it be known that it's like yeah I believe in God I love my family I think this is a much better way to live Now let's get back into talking about what's fucking going on in the world and stuff you know like in the same sense that right. like Ron Paul you know who's of course my hero Was always clearly a very devout Christian, but he wasn't like being all Jerry Falwell with it. He wasn't always like Mm -hmm. beating you over the head. And I appreciate it. Might work it
0: in once in a while, might bring up the golden rule or something like that.
1: But you would certainly know that. Like if you were a fan of Ron Paul, you knew that this was a very devout Christian and you knew also that his, his political beliefs were like, you know, inspired by his Christianity. Like you knew that this was like clearly very important to him as a person. But he didn't need to constantly be hitting you over the head with it. But so that's kind of how I, I like to be. But I, I feel like it would be wrong for me to not talk about this stuff. I think at this
0: the same time, it, it does like add to the gravity of the message when it's coming from someone more like if, if Ron Paul's like the gold standard, more like Ron Paul, than say, like, imagine if Ron Paul was like a twenty-five year old kid with green hair and a mohawk and like three earrings and wore a leather jacket. I, I just it might be the exact same message and he might even live the exact same a similar life or but it would not be received the same way. No so question. I think there is something something to bettering yourself and portraying just a better version of yourself, uh, a, a person with more responsibility, with more, um, you know, taking life more seriously. I guess that, that that's going to allow or, or cause others to take what you're saying more seriously. So it all, it all ties into, you know, the yeah. same idea of if you do want to if you do want to spread a message or get more people to listen to you you know, look inward first and improve yourself. And then, you know, if, if you can't improve yourself with a family to motivate you, then, then you're, then you're absolutely never going to.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I think that's right. And I think there's something about that related to kind of, um, like natural hierarchies, which libertarians really should believe in, because if you believe not in, you know, if you believe in, in, um, that there kind of shouldn't be these imposed, uh, through, you know, force hierarchies, well, like obviously what's going to, you know, naturally. Come up is going to be natural hierarchies, and and the truth is that even that person, like even the person you're describing, you know, some blue haired, you know, nose ring, you know, uh, person or whatever. If you found out they ran like a billion dollar company that they've started from scratch, you might also be like, oh, okay, that is pr- actually pretty impressive. Right, yeah. Whoa, I, I kind of judge the book by its cover. Now I'm listening a little bit more to yeah. you than I was before, and and this is true for accomplishments in different areas of in life, whether it's personally or professionally or these different areas, but. No, look, I mean, when I hear people who, um, you know, have like a take on the the drag shows with kids or something who don't have kids, it's like, I just, I'm not, I have no interest in what you have to say. I, I don't know. I just have no interest. I have no interest in your views on like, you know, sometimes you'll see this like in the libertarian world or in other world, there'll be some like, you know, 19 year old libertarian who's like, well, here's what I think about this. And you're like, oh, okay. It's literally right. to me on the level of like what a six year old thinks. I, I don't know, your opinion is completely <laughs> invalid to me. And that's, yeah, I remember Owen Benjamin uh, told me this when um, I, th- I think it was, uh, I called him when I first found out Lauren was pregnant with our first, with my, my oldest, with my daughter. And uh, he goes, oh dude, congratulations. He goes, man, she's such a great chick and you guys are so great together. You guys are gonna love being parents. He goes, hey, let me tell you a secret. Parents, we don't respect non-parents. <laughs> I it was so funny. He goes, yeah, dude. He goes, I've never respected you until now. This is awesome. <laughs> it's just like, but, but there are things like this and it's, I, that's just one example being a parent. It's not like there are people who don't have kids who I have a lot of respect for in other areas, but like that's part of life. And um, I remember, you know, I was, uh, I was recently talking to um, this uh, Patrick Bet David, you know who he is? I, I, I did his show, The Valutainment Guy. The one that and, Joe Jorgensen was on? Yes. And the, then that I, one? Yeah, yeah. And then I did it, the whole thing. Uh, after yeah. with Spike and Larry. And um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we went out to lunch, like after the the podcast and stuff. And you're talking, and this dude was a guy who built a company, literally went and worked on Wall Street and then built a company from scratch that's worth, like, I think hundreds of millions, maybe a billion dollar company. It's a huge, huge company. And you just like. When you know that, when the guy talks, you're like, you just fucking listen. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I really want to hear what your opinion is. I really value your opinion. And he's like, yeah. you know, if you want to really take like branding libertarianism to the next level, here's what I think you have to do. And you don't, now if some random just dude who, I don't know any accomplishment of them, you just don't value their opinion in the same way. That's just, that. this is just life, you know, like whether you like it or not, this is just life. And if you have an opinion that you want other people to value, you're much better off, uh, understanding this and and by the way it doesn't have to be having kids or making a billion dollars. Those are just examples. Sure. But like say someone anything like anything commendable really. I yes. mean. Yeah, well someone like Scott Horton take, for example, like if Scott Horton gives you his opinion about something that's going on with a new, you know, conflict abroad, you're listening because he's demonstrated for years that this motherfucker has done his homework. Like he really knows everything that's going on. Just that. Just that alone. The fact that he demonstrates that like he's read everything there is to read on this subject and knows it forward and backward. That makes you want to listen to someone. And it, like, this makes sense. This is basic, you know, like, I don't even know. It's human nature. It's kind of a matter
0: of, of- of credibility of expertise. Yeah. So if, if you've done whatever 70,000 interviews or whatever the hell God's done now, like, yes, you're, there's no one can doubt. Like this guy has expertise in this area. Whereas if you've raised two kids over the course of 10 years, like, yes, then you have expertise in yeah. that area of, of like raising a family. So it all, all kind of comes down to the same thing.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly.
0: All right. Well, enough of this lovey dovey Christian conservative stuff. <laughs> Let's get into <laughs> to what the people are, are tuning in for though. I mean, but I, I, I do want to just kind of get from your perspective, first, just—is this the first libertarian convention you were actually at? First national, first national. Okay, you yeah, been to a mean, whole I, bunch I, of the states. I have been to the states, right?
1: So I've been going around to that as we kind of on the you know, Mises Caucus has been taken over state by state by state. But this was the first national convention I've ever uh, been to. I mean, I've watched like you know some of the uh, the video clips of previous ones that were pretty <laughs> rough. But uh, I no, I've never I've never done it before. But I actually went to this one and I was a delegate, so I was there. I was working like crazy the whole time. I had I did stand up shows. I did a live podcast. I spoke uh, at the uh, Mises Caucus bash. I gave Josh Smith's nomination speech, uh, and then I was a voting delegate for the the whole convention. So yeah, I was I was really in the mix of this last one.
0: And uh, so you'd been to state conventions. So you'd probably been exposed to, I guess, uh, Robert's rules and that sort of thing. But did you, cause I know like I saw a lot of people, I always get a kick out of when people go to conventions for the first time. And they're like, man, this is taking forever. I'm like, Oh, if it's like that, James Franco mean first time. It's like, so did, but did you feel the drag of like, like, I, I mean, whenever I've been to one, I, I get into that. I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember this is the part that I absolutely cannot stand. Cause I think it's like hours and hours and hours that I was seeing people tweet about that first day, like just to get to the agreement of." what we will now talk about next so did you did you feel that drag of just the, the the awful screeching halt like part of that that the
1: process a little bit um so i um i i was so when i went to the state conventions i wasn't like a delegate at any of them you know what i mean i would just go and like give a speech or something so i wasn't really like sitting there through all of the business at these state conventions i'd come in for like you know the 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 events at the end of it. So I didn't really I get know. It's like in Colorado, I went for a little bit of the business because they asked me, they were like, Hey, it'd be really cool if you came and sat through the business. And I did it for like two hours. And then I was like, okay, I'm out. This is not, this, this is not the part I do. <laughs> like, did I you take do. the
0: picture of me sitting and watching the business Yeah, like, Okay. Yeah, I, I like, go now, yeah.
1: go to the bar. Um, but for this one, I, I was there for the whole time. So it was a, it was a different, uh, experience. There was a little bit on the first day Of, like, where they were, you know, they were trying to do, like, some shady shit on the delegate count. And it was, like, just kind of taking forever to go through all these, you know, motions. But, honestly, it was, it really wasn't that bad. It was, there was something exciting about this one because it was kind of It was a delaying of
0: the inevitable, I guess, and everybody kind of knew at that point.
1: Yeah, and it was like a celebration. I mean, it was like this day that was the culmination of, like, kind of a big thing that we'd been working toward for a while that we knew kind of was coming um and it was exciting you know it was exciting to like see that happen so it wasn't it wasn't particularly boring and it was uh i must say you know fun watching uh some of the, the people get triggered who very much deserve to get triggered and it was nice to see like there i mean there was like in an, an incredible amount of like enthusiasm there was a great turnout and people were like really excited. When you know we kind of like started sweeping everything, and so that that part of it really was fun it wasn't it wasn't too uh too painful although yes, there is no question that there is some truth to it 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 uh it will um bring you very up close uh with the uh the reality of how stupid democracy is
0: before I like give you any like pushback or objections or anything i wanna just let you like You've made this case in obviously other formats and uh, in several debates hosts on the show. But now that you guys have taken over or, you know, you do pretty much control, I think, every position on the LNC. uh, It's it's safe to say, like, this is the moment where sink or swim, whatever it may be. This is the moment that will be owned by. Dave Smith and the Mises caucus. I I think it's safe to say for at least these next couple of years. So what's like, what's your pitch? Like sell me on it. I'm, I'm sitting here open-minded. So sell me on, on why people like me, even maybe people like me that, that did get dejected from the whole thing that don't think it's the best path. Why? What's our, what's our pitch to, 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 come back in to at least gain some interest in it to at least maybe look at it with and say, okay, let's, let's see what these guys can do. So what's like a best case scenario for, for where this can all lead.
1: Well, I don't even know, you know, for like for someone in your situation, I don't know that there's anything I'm going to say right now that's going to like, you know, flip you around 180 and get you to come back. You've heard my my pitch on this before. And I think that it's more for, for that. It's like, like, I've always said this when it comes to this shit, that it's the obligation isn't on you to support us. The obligation is on us to be so fucking great that you're just like God damn it I fucking ah fuck I want to support what they're doing or I want to whatever that means like it doesn't necessarily mean like being a dues paying member or anything maybe it just means like I don't know like having someone on your platform that's probably more valuable than being a dues paying member or like fucking I don't know sharing someone's speech or something like that but like it's it's on us to like pull more people in and also I I you know accept the reality that as we get bigger and bigger you know, we're not going to have a 100% retention rate. Like, some people are going to go in different directions. That's always the case. That's the, that's the case with everything in this world, and I guess in every world. Like, that's just the reality. I think that, like, it, there's there's several, like, different, you know, uh, criticisms of the Mises Caucus that it's, it becomes kind of difficult because different people have their different little critiques of it, so it's hard to answer all of them. If, if you think that the, the idea of libertarian ideas being popularized is important, if you think the idea of like more people being um, aware of what bullshit the propaganda is, being aware of how fucking evil what the government and the corporate press and their corporate partners have done to the american people over the last uh, couple years are. If you're if you think more people being woken up to that is important, then what you're going to need is a movement of people with a lot of energy and enthusiasm behind them. I think we're the only ones who are doing that right now. I don't think there's anything else in the liberty space that can even compete with the energy that we have right now. And I personally would say that I like I I really believe that in 2016 and in 2020, the Libertarian party had this like unbelievable golden opportunity to really make noise. Like, I mean, in a, in a really like dramatic way, could have moved the Overton window, really like pushed the conversation toward the stuff that we want the conversation to be about, and they just fell flat on their faces. And I think now with much better, more capable people being in control of the party, when we have our next opportunity, I don't think we're going to fall flat on our face. Um, I think that this is, this is a great time right now to like, kind of introduce our ideas, to change the narrative, to, to move the Overton window. And I think there's like tremendous potential in this project. That doesn't mean that there's not also you know potential in other projects. Um, and I, I don't, I, I gave up a long time ago on the idea that like all libertarians should be doing the same thing and involved in the same project. I think we should have, you know, some degree of humility in terms of strategy and in terms of what's the best use of everybody's time and quite possibly the best use of everybody's time is different. Um, but I think that the the there's a lot of possibilities. And I, I also think that, that the libertarian party um, if we're not delusional with it and we don't have this attitude of like, well, what we're going to do is convince 51% of the population to be libertarian by the next presidential election cycle or something like that, um, which is silly and and obviously, you know, very lofty and unachievable. But if we think that we could really... Um, find good local elections um where where we can run and win and in you know give people a little bit more liberty little by little at these local on these uh, on these local arenas and that that we can then kind of use our like um use our uh um you know like spoiler capabilities to really push you know parties in 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 the direction we want to see them in and then on the national level like really fucking ignite this movement and i think there's potential to get it to be much bigger than even where ron paul was even though he's a better human being than all of us uh but we just live in a different time where there's we have a lot more uh potential um i think there's just a lot of great things that can come out of all of this so you know i don't know exactly what the future holds but i'm excited for the the possibilities One thing I I
0: want to dig into there is because you kind of mentioned them as the same thing, and I I think it might be an interesting path to go down a little bit because it might highlight some of the divide. Because I think you mentioned, you know, if if you're someone who thinks that there's value in in spreading libertarian ideas and then in that same uh, sort of breath, you mentioned, you know, like. Calling out the corporate press or, or calling out the lies of, uh, you know, the, how the media manipulates and, and that sort of thing. I don't think those are necessarily the same subject per se, because I, I, I think even because I think there's there's definitely a contingent of people and that that would say, like, there's not really value in just in simply spreading the ideas of libertarianism and simply just getting bigger platforms, to those ideas. That is like one set of criticism. But I don't think that those those same people would say don't point out the lies of the corporate press or don't don't try to tell the truth of what's going on in the world so i, I don't know if those are necessarily the same thing now now you could Uh, message them in a way they sort of become the same thing. You could sort of, you know, discuss how your ideology fits into how you view the world. And maybe that's more the way you see it. But do you see the I guess my question is, do you see those two things as necessarily the same thing or can you truth tell and, you know, expose the lies of the corporate press or whatever it may be? Is that does that mean you have to do that while spreading an ideology? Or do you you think do you see those things that those two things as
1: equally important? Yeah, Equally important? I don't know. You can you certainly can. Call out the corporate press as being liars without having like a libertarian, you know, like lens on that. There's lots of people who do that. I think you're always going to be better if you have them both together. So like, for example, like, um, I don't know, give me an example of a lie. A, a big lie that the corporate press has told in the last 20 years oh why don't we just go iraq iraq war an easy one that pretty much sure. everyone agrees on even like right. the people that and so it, and, and so what is it'd be one thing to you know call out the lie of the corporate press okay they they lied to you they told you that they had weapons of mass destruction and they said all these bullshit lies about like how they were in bed with al-qaeda and it's like well, all this insanity and you're like okay so that's pretty good but lots of people will give you that but what's much more important in, in or not more important necessarily, but what strengthens that so much more is like understanding how like, yes, no, like the CIA is like created to lie the American people into war. And that like these neocons were, this was always their plan. And that there was, so the the stronger your libertarian understanding of these things are, I think you're not only gonna be able to call out what the latest lie was, but also understand kind of like the underlying problem with like why this was doomed to fail. Is that per se a libertarian understanding though, do you
0: think? Or is that cause I mean I, I feel like I feel like I know socialists who I know who might, you know, they might not have the same political ideology, but they might have also like learned about the CIA and know that the CIA is like, you know, does these you know, horrible things overseas. I I don't know if that's is it necessarily the same thing, or is it just because it's it's kind of interweaved with the idea of like these centralized systems will always become corrupt. And is that kind of where you'd say the libertarianism would have the more
1: solid foundation? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of was my point, like the latter that like, yes, this is like by the nature of the system, it's going to become corrupt. And so, yeah, I mean, like, I I get what you're saying, like, socialists might be good on these issues, but they're kind of being very skeptical of the government on those limited issues where they are skeptical. But I certainly think compared to those two, That the libertarian is going to have a stronger understanding of why this, you know, these centralized institutions are so evil. Because you think they
0: just have like more of the intellectual backing to like, you know, they understand maybe they've read all the Mises and all the Rothbard. And if it actually comes down to digging into the weeds of it, they'll have a better philosophical foundation for explaining to someone why.
1: Yes, but not just that, but also that they're just going to have a better solution for what this problem is, that they're going to recognize that like, okay, but the answer to this is that you want these psychopaths the hell out of your life. Not that you, you know, you want these psychopaths to stick to running your health care or something like that. <laughs>
0: All right, gang. Well, one way you can run your own healthcare a little bit is by sampling some of the fine and very therapeutic CBD products from our friends Carlos and Vanessa Avalar over at Paloma Verde CBD. Find that at PalomaVerdeCBD.com. These guys have, I'm not just saying this because they're sponsors, this is actually true. They do have the best CBD products I have ever used. I tried a a various uh, number of CBD products for aches and pains, for insomnia. uh, When I was in Los Angeles at a few different stores and then when we connected with Carlos and Vanessa, they were kind enough to send me some samples and this salve they have. My God, I have had this like pain in my, my shoulder, my neck for years and years. This is one of the few things that has ever truly calmed that down and <laughs> By the way, they have some amazing gummies and I'm just going to tell you that my only criticism I'm whispering, I don't want Carlos to hear me because I, I do have a criticism. They're so delicious. You just want to eat them all in one batch. So you might want to order two, uh, two things of the gummies, but what's great about this is that because they are sponsors, because they support us, we support them. We support you. You're going to get a 20% discount off any order as well as free shipping for any order over $75 by using discount code roar at checkout. So head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com. CBD.com. And use discount code ROAR for twenty percent off that order. Let's talk about a little bit about the the realistic aspects of it because this is something I've heard uh, like various people give you know different expectations of. I've heard some people like say like let's just see if we can get Dave Smith to be president. Let's just see if and you mm-hmm. haven't even announced anything along those lines yet. But that is that's what I hear with a lot of the enthusiasm being behind is actually around you and what you can do. Um, I haven't here heard you try to claim you can become president or anything like that, but. Were you to run, I mean, or maybe we can just get to this because I don't expect you to announce on this platform whether you're running or not, but like how much, obviously you've thought about it a lot or you wouldn't have probably come this far with it and entertained the conversation this much. So, like, can you just maybe give an idea of where you are with that? First of all, like what's. How, what's guiding your your thought process and if or when you would actually make a, a more solid decision on, on whether that's a possibility, because it does f- seem like most of the enthusiasm behind the takeover is based on that, on specifically the idea of you running for president.
1: I mean, I don't know if that's exactly true. Like, there was a lot of enthusiasm behind the takeover before I had ev- ever even, like, discussed the idea. I mean, like, there, there were, like... I'm just going off of what people. I hear now, anyway, I should say. Yeah, I mean, that, like, I, I'm not denying that there's, like, there's that's something and that there is enthusiasm, but like, you know, the, um, like when Josh Smith ran for a chair, I think he got like something like 40% of the vote, you know, like the Mises caucus was building up to being like, they were clearly on a trajectory to be the majority of the party. I think this was happening, um, uh, with or without any thought of me running for anything. Um, so, but I do think you're right. There's, there's a lot of, uh, enthusiasm behind the idea. I think I have to really, um, I have to kind of, in my mind, set a timetable ta- time of like, when I have to decide by if I actually want to do this, I'm really hoping that someone else who I think would do a great job, like will emerge. And I can just be like, okay, I'm going to get way behind this person. I would kind of prefer that. Um, or I would, Much prefer that than doing it myself. Is there someone alive
0: that you can think of? Like, are there are there people in the mix that you could say like, if if one of those people stepped forward
1: and said like, actually, I'm going to run that, you'd be like, you know what, you should do that, and I'm going to go sit back and write you a check, maybe. Um, yeah, there's there's maybe a couple people, um, but I don't think they're going to do it. So I, uh, yeah, it'd be great. Um, (laughs) but I, uh, but so I, I do feel a bit of an obligation. That, like, if no one else, if I don't think anyone else can do what I think I could do with this, and that if there's all these people who really want me to do that, then I I, I don't know, I do feel a little bit of like, well, fuck, that would be almost wrong for me to not do it if I could do something for this movement that nobody else is really offering, and I just don't, just because, like, I'm kind of being selfish and being like, I don't know. I kind of just like what I'm doing better. Um, but there's still there's still a few things that I'd have to like fully, you know, kind of uh uh think through and and decide on that. So I'm not I'm not there. I and mean, then this isn't just something I'm like saying, you know, yeah. cause like I'm not ready to announce yet or something. I really have no um politician bone in my body. I, I'm just not operating like that. That's just the truth. But I do understand like why a lot of people want me to do it. And I do understand that I think that this, this would be something different, certainly than at least since Ron Paul. And I, I gotta say, again, not because I'm better than Ron Paul, because I'm not really in any way, but just because of the landscape of things. I mean, like, Ron, first off, the system wasn't crumbling nearly as much. The anger toward the establishment wasn't nearly as high when Ron Paul was running. And the platforms, the ability to like communicate wasn't nearly as, as widespread as it is now. I think I'd be able to do something that would really um it let's just say it'd be a lot different than anything else we've seen out of a, a an LP, you know, presidential campaign. This would be something different that would really like um I think in a way put this movement on the map with the younger generation more so than we've ever done before. And that is a big that's a big deal to me. Like I I really, you know, I I mean it's hard, like it it's not look, we're not moving the needle in the way that maybe we'd want to. Where it's like this drastic thing. You know what I mean? Like we're not like we don't have 70 million people who are are supporting us. But I I really do think there's potential to move the needle in a not um insignificant way that could really open up the, the eyes of a lot of younger people to embracing this idea of like a a different way, a different way to think about society and how we could organize society and all of these things. And I think that probably there's real possibilities of what the future is gonna look like right now that might've seemed a little bit like fantasy land in the past. And, And even though guys like me and you may have talked about this like five or 10 years ago or something like that, but the idea of like this, the United States of America breaking up You know, it seemed a little bit far fetched. We were like, maybe I don't know, the Soviet Union did it. I don't think that seems so far fetched right now. I don't think it seems so far fetched that like Ron DeSantis and um, Gavin Newsom are not governors of in the same country. They are actually in separate nations. Like, I don't think that seems so far fetched now. And I think the idea of like an economic crash that so many of us have been thinking about and talking about forever, right? Like we've we've all you know interviewed Peter Schiff and. Ron Paul and talked about these ideas. I mean, look, dude, they're right now they're they're talking about like raising up this Fed fund rate by uh, half a percent. I think uh, every like a quarter or something like that for the next three quarters. I mean, this really, this might pop the bubble, and the, like this really might be the fucking the downturn in this like ultra Messian boom bust cycle. And if this if that's true and and I'm not, you know, I've predicted the bust before and been wrong about it, so I'm not trying to like be but if this is the bust of all busts that we've been talking about, like the can kick from 2008 all the way to now and we're actually still in the boom right now, it's just this inflationary boom and we're about to bust and it's a bust that still won't be with high enough interest rates to rein in inflation, so we're going to be looking at like an inflationary steep recession. I mean, who the fuck knows what this country is gonna look like in the next couple years? It's, you know, we've been through these last two years and this seems pretty damn crazy, but who the hell knows how crazy this thing could get over the next few years. So I I really do value the idea of like, influencing young people as much as possible to think that maybe there's, there's gonna to have to be some type of like collapse and rebuilding here. And hopefully in the rebuilding phase, there's a lot of people who are at least aware of like a lot of these different ways of, of viewing the world and don't just have kind of these God awful views that are floating around there.
0: I thought you were here to bring me the white pills and now, now we're now the economy is collapsing and uh, <laughs> everything's going to hell in the next two years. No, but I mean, it, it does. So walk me through then how, because when you, you talked a little bit earlier as well, like, you know, having with having kids and, and just viewing like time preference a little bit differently and, you know, Wanting to affect the world now, you know, especially with with, you know, the actual things that are happening in our lives and what the scenario, the possible scenario you're laying out in the next couple of years is like one that I agree is entirely feasible. And especially with everything we've been seeing, um, maybe more likely than not. So. Walk me through how having the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus and having the Libertarian Party as the platform, I guess, p- potential, whether it's with you at the, at the head or not, uh, as like a public figurehead or not, how how that is can actually curtail what's coming or, or maybe that's not maybe not curtail it as much as are you saying it's a way to just find the, the right people in the midst of this problem and and get them to do what i guess is the question what where, where are you trying to direct them to how where, get me from a to b you know i'm at a and then you know something in profit so fill in the gap
1: well but i i, I kind of think in a way it's like it, it's a little bit of an unfair standard that um that you and other is in the in your camp uh, whatever <laughs> post libertarian whatever you guys are you know um, I mean, I've i given up it, fighting the words, so whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, but I don't know. I'm not trying to like label you with any words, but you kind of know yeah, what I, I mean. So I just I don't, don't care anymore
0: if people bring yeah. up terms. I don't want right. to fight them anymore. It's like whatever. But I
1: don't. I, I don't mean it in a derogatory way. You, yeah, yeah, I know, you know what I mean. It, I'm just. Yeah. Uh, but it's like I, I don't know. Like, will will what we're doing curtail this system? I mean, I don't know. I don't want to like bullshit here. Like, probably not. But the if we're going to keep this on a level playing ground here it's like yeah nothing you guys are doing is going to curtail this system either and nothing anyone else is doing is going to curtail this system that's not really like i mean but if anyone has a real plan that they think is going to curtail this system okay i'm all ears i've heard a few people who claim they have that plan and i'm not Convinced they do, um but I certainly don't either. So yeah, I'm definitely not claiming to. So the the question isn't really like, is this going to curtail the system? The question is, is this better? It, it, uh, is it better to do this than to not? You right. know what I mean? Like that, that's yeah, more that of the like question. the realistic question. It's like, are we better off with this than without it? Like, are, so I would say that I think that the um, like the the enemies is like our mutual enemies who are real enemies, like the fucking people who would straight up, you know, you know, who would have you locked down, who would have your life ruined for not being jabbed. And, and even like, think like, look, I mean, there's a lot of things right now that were, um, you know, as much as, you know, the system is flawed and checks and balances don't really work the way they're supposed to. But I do think sometimes, uh, uh, um, a flaw of libertarians and dissident right wingers too is to get too much into like this, uh, this almost conspiratorial uh, world where they think of the state as one thing. Mm-hmm. They think of the enemies as one thing. I mean, the truth is that there were like the OSHA mandate was struck down by the courts. And that wasn't the plan of the people who pushed the OSHA mandate to get it struck down by the courts. The plan was to have it in. The mask mandate on planes, on transportation was just struck down by a judge. That was not the plan, but it was struck down. But there's still interesting information there that, like, these people would still have these things in place had they not been struck down by these. Like, there would be this OSHA mandate if not for the Supreme Court striking it down. They would still be ruining more people's lives than they already had over, you know, a a, what, I don't know, the fifth booster for a vaccine that doesn't even fucking work. Like, you know, like, they would still be doing all this shit. Um, Those people who are real enemies... Who have already ruined the lives of tens of millions of americans and would do it to many more if they could and will probably continue to try to they really care about propagandizing people they really care about that they really care about spreading ideas they really care about silencing the ideas that expose them and look through how much they how much they've worked to silence the opposition to the COVID regime over the last few years i mean freaking dude uh um uh barrington uh, barrington what's his name fucking um god damn it i subscribed to his Substack. i should know the dude was oh, a um, new york i do know who you're talking about and also yeah, the dude was a, a, it, the... a new york times reporter and he's now got to write on Substack. To, like he has to email me in order for me to see his tweets you know what i mean like he's been kicked off everything like they really care about propagandizing people and i think that like waking people up to the propaganda is a really valuable thing to do. And I think they, in a weird inverse way, agree with me on that. Now, what exactly you should do, and I know this is, um, I think, unsatisfactory to um, uh, some people in your camp, let's just say, broadly speaking, uh, who are critical of the Mises Caucus, um, that if you're asking me, I really do have the same old Ron Paul answer, but if you ask me, like, well, what should we do? What is the answer? So you're gonna wake all these people up and then to do what? And I don't have like a specific thing. I I think the first step is waking more people up. I think that's like really important. I think almost like for anything to be successful, we need more people. Whether this, even if it's just like running libertarians in local elections, or just even if you don't consider yourself a libertarian anymore, running people who feel like you feel, you know, dissident right-winger, whatever you consider yourself, in local elections it's like okay i'm just well, some here's the hippie don't whatever right <laughs> but, but here's the problem there's not enough oh, Al- of Al- you alex barrenson
0: justin uh justin that time down here yes, alex yes.
1: forget? sorry that. i'm uh, by the way I, his name I really, will probably I, get us a youtube strike too so <laughs> I, I i fucking read every one of his sub stacks i literally just had a brain fart I, i'm a big fan of his um i've met him he's a nice guy uh but uh anyway but look, the problem is with any of it is like there's not enough of you to run for every local election, and there's really not enough of you to vote in that guy. Like this is this is kind of the the issue we're gonna have. Now, I don't, I think there's lots of different things that people are doing. I don't know. I think that um, there's a strong argument to be made for um like geographic relocation. Um, I think there's there's a strong argument to be made for to moving to free states. Or like what they're doing in New Hampshire with the Free State Party. I think there's a strong argument for that. Being around your people, being around your tribe, like physically, near them. I think there's a very strong argument for that. I think there's a really strong argument. And you don't just mean Jews when you say your tribe. You just mean whoever... I very clearly mean jews okay but nazi jews they have to be nazi (laughs) jews you have to be around the good ones um i think there's a really strong argument for homeschooling your kids pull your kids the hell out of these fucking public school systems if you can you know and and like raise them really control how you raise your kids and bring them up um i think there's a really strong argument for like doing everything you can to like um, you know, um, create wealth for yourself and to have, uh, you know, like this, a lot of the stuff that you talk about, that Jason talks about having a mobile income. I think there's a really strong argument for that. I think there's like lots of different things. It, and in fact, in some cases, I think there's strong argument for being like a Liberty Republican. I think, you know, I mean, like I, I don't kind of have like this one size fits all thing. And I think that people who kind of criticize you for not having this one size fits all thing it's just it's a very easy game to play it's a very easy Mm -hmm. game to say like well your solution doesn't solve everything and then it's like yeah but compare to what hold on let's really examine your solution to that like i you know i I don't think that that's really a fair way to look at these things and i think a lot of times these things aren't in conflict look i mean like when i when i debated jason stapleton uh on on this very program. I think that was kind of like the thing that I kept hitting that he never really had much of a response to was like, it just doesn't sound to me like these things are in conflict. And I suppose if there's a situation where they are in direct conflict, which I think is very rare, if ever, then like maybe in that situation, it, it you should be thinking about your own wealth more than you should be thinking about, you know, like sending 25 bucks a year to a political party or something or going to a convention. But I I don't think in general they're in conflict. And I don't think that, uh, you know, it's a perhaps a bitter pill to swallow, but it's something I've kind of always been aware of and I've grappled with long ago that it's like, yeah, no, there's not going to be a silver bullet that solves all these problems tomorrow, but that's not really the standard. I mean, I think the question is kind of like, do you fucking pick up the cross that is your cross to bear and try to move it a few feet forward that's is it is it better to do that than to not do that and i think it's better to do it
0: there's a couple of things there i'll just start with cuz i'm not going to argue for other people's individual strategies or for or against like i i give people a platform to you know give their ideas and i'm open to everybody's ideas if they'll work if i if they think they actually have a realistic plan of work i'll listen to them or what have you but i think when when i started to I don't want to say get critical. It's probably only the last month or two. I started to be a little more snarky and, and bold on, on Twitter with this stuff. But, but prior to that, it was really just when I was asked about it, I would kind of give my honest opinion as it was forming. Sure. But what when it started for me, well, there's two things, I guess at once it was si- simultaneously. I made decisions in my life that I would not have, I would absolutely not have been able to do if I had not been in a certain position to do so. If I had not had a certain amount of skills, a certain amount of savings, et cetera, I would have had to do what, what it, Hurt me so much to see so many people do because I consider the Mises Pac- Caucus people, the Ron Paul people, it's all the same kind of group, I guess, for me in a way as like my brothers, the people that I'm rooting for, the people that I want to see do well in life. So it hurt me to see so many people caving to mandates, and I, I know it's not because they wanted to or because they wanted to take a woke poke. It's because they had to, or they felt that they had to, or that they were in a financial position where they couldn't say no, where they couldn't tell an employer no. Um, and and at the same time, I was. Back when I was still allowed in the Mises Caucus Facebook group, I was in some of the groups, did but you get booted? I, I, would, I did finally get booted. Yeah, I'll get you right it's okay. I, I don't, I don't need to be in there. It's fine. Um, but, uh, whatever. Uh, I think is, is Mac Floyd still in there? I think he's, he might be behind me, behind me getting out, but anyway, <laughs> uh, but neither here nor no there. With the. The point is, I think we're united on that one. Uh, but the point is, I I started to see people say things like reference being broke or reference not having enough money to make it to like a state convention this weekend or mention not being able to do this and that or mention having to take a, a vax mandate. I saw this a lot. Um, so I think that's that's the point where. I think you kind of said like maybe for some people there, if it is a conflict, then yeah, you should focus more on yourself. But I, I've just seen it and I don't know, you know, I'm not, this is not a math equation. I can't give you a percentage of people. It might be a very, very small percent that I just happen to see a lot of. But that that's what started to affect me more when I saw people investing, whether it's physical time or just emotion and energy into the idea of building up the Mises caucus and taking over this third party. And me not seeing any direct result in how their lives can change for that, while having, while being the same people saying, "I can't make it to a convention," or you know, I, I have to take a vac, I have to take a vaccine to keep my job and to, to keep my family fed. Yeah. Or in in most recent cases, I mean, I, I know there was. At least a few people and one for sure that, you know, couldn't even make their rent because they went to Reno and and went broke because they spent all their money on Reno. So those are the people that that's my biggest concern. And that would be the same if they were doing an anti-tax GOP Mises strategy and putting all their time into that or whatever other strategy it may be is people investing themselves heavily into something. And really, you know, getting that good feeling out of it, because I was invested heavily in the Ron Paul movement and and his campaigns, and I, I got a good feeling from doing that. But, I you know, I also ignored a lot of, I was also living degenerately, kind of like we talked earlier in my 20s, and not putting a lot of time in investment. And, and I, I I just see, like, a younger version of myself, I guess, in, in a lot of these kids that I, I, I just it's not about a per se political strategy to me as much as it is like, dude, if you're in this position, just plug out of this stuff more and focus on yourself. So that, that's kind of where I, that's where my main concern comes from for, for this, for this stuff.
1: Right. So I get, I get what you're saying there. And I I listened to your episode, uh, on the Mises caucus that you put out a few weeks back and, and like, and I think there was, like, I think, (laughs) <laughs> well I think you were you know coming from a place of love like you are now that you're kind of like look these are like my people and if you're my people could be doing better like I want to say something to them and I, I appreciated that there was a just to kind of talk about the like idea of my people and the community of libertarians dude there was one point in that episode where you you were talking about me and you said uh you go I think You go and Dave, uh, you know, like I said, some nice things about you in my Facebook comment, and then you were saying some nice things about me. And you go and Dave, like I've met Dave at least once or twice. It was such a weird moment where I was listening to that, and I'm like, "Have I only met you once?" And then you know, like, yeah, I was at the comedy show, and
0: you reckon it depends on if we because there's one time I was in the audience of your comedy show, and you're like, "Oh, there's Mark Claire," and then I think that was the same look, yeah, I know, and I think that was the same weekend.
1: There's a, like a lion in the middle of my craft. No, but that, yes. And then it was, uh, and then we did that like Liberty on the Rocks thing. Right. But it's like, yeah. such a weird yeah. feeling. Cause like, look, I mean, we've done a lot of podcasts together, but yeah. you, you know, it's like, we've maybe been in the same physical room, like only a couple times in our life. And like, literally, I mean, I, like I would, I mean, like if you fell on hard times. Come on, say like it, take a, a bullet, pl- take a bullet. You take <laughs> well, know, a bullet, Listen, let's get real. I'm not going to take a fucking bullet for you. But <laughs> like, in all seriousness, like if you fell on hard times, you have like a place to stay at my house. Like I, I literally like feel that way about you. And part of that is because like, we're kind of like in this fucking movement together. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's, and and part of it's also just that like, you kind of know who someone is from listening to their show a lot and doing mm-hmm. shows with them. Yeah. You can kind of like gauge who they are as a person. And, and so look, I get what you're saying. And if there are people who I would certainly agree with you that, like, if there's somebody who spent a few thousand dollars to go to Reno and then doesn't have their rent money this month, I'd go, that was not a wise decision. That's or a real example. Think, That's not, I, uh, think, I didn't imagine no, that. I that was, um, yeah. I understand. And I'd say that was not a wise decision. But it's also, there's a little bit more to it than it just being as simple like even something like that where it might kind of seem like well look you just spent the money on this and you could have done it on this there's it's just a little bit more complicated like i think it's more of a mentality than the, about the specific money
0: you know if, yes, if you're but, at a point where you're deciding to go to reno or to pay your rent that's a that's a mentality of, of uh, issue more than it is about that's that thousand that dollars or whatever it might be
1: right but even more than that i i think that like if there's look, I agree with you that like if your if your own life is like falling apart, and and you're focused on this external thing, it might be time to kind of change that balance a little bit and focus more internally. So I don't disagree with that. But the truth is that that person uh, and, and people like that in general. What you need to do is like really start focusing on how you can put yourself in a better situation. And it's not so self-evident to me that um, it goes, and that means you need to stop doing this thing with the Mises Caucus as it's like, Even if that dude wasn't going to Reno or wasn't involved in the Mises caucus, there's still the same problem there that it's like, dude, you're not doing the things that you need to do to like, you know, like put yourself in a good situation. Now, I think that if they replace the Mises
0: caucus with video games, we didn't get anywhere.
1: Yeah, yes, exactly. And probably that's more likely if we're just talking about cutting out the Mises caucus than actually dealing with the underlying issues there. And if we dealt with the underlying issues there, you could probably keep the Mises caucus thing and just actually solve these other problems. I don't think there's too many people who it's not like they're putting in 60 hours a week for the Mises caucus and that's why they're in the you know, they're not in a decent situation. I think that there's been a theme in our world in the libertarian movement for a very long time about um, these type of issues. I also think it makes sense that over the last couple of years, there would be more of an emphasis on them. But um, in, in terms of like, when I say these type of issues, I mean like protecting your personal wealth, investing in Bitcoin, investing in gold, survivalist stuff, gardening, like all of this, you know, like there's prepping, all of this has been in our world for a long time. Um, I think that it's just sometimes a little bit more complicated than being as simple as, you need to stop doing the political thing and start focusing on yourself. Like like for example, I, I just use me as an example, right? I, over the last two years, throughout all this craziness, if what you're talking about is like, you want to put yourself in a situation where like you've got a good income you have mobile income you you don't need to worry about taking the fucking jab if you don't want to you're not victim to these mandates you don't your family is protected i'd say i'm a pretty good example of being in a good spot totally in, agree. in terms of that like i literally i check all of those boxes like i've you know really like my family is in a very good situation despite all of this craziness my wife is a full-time mom like she takes care of my kids has an incredible job no one's worried about like what we're going to do over a mandate or this or that i can put But you my make kids your in... wife work? No i i'm <laughs> saying i yes but only for me in our <laughs> home that's to be very clear um but so right like so i'm I, and i do i'm doing very well for myself um uh so now, if you zoom back uh, about I don't know, like 12 years ago. And cuz this is me by my nature, I'm like a very like weird person and I'm a hopeless kind of romantic artist type. And I was there was a time like 12, 13 years ago where I was literally just pursuing stand-up comedy. I was dead broke and I was spending all of my free time reading about Austrian economics and it was ridiculous. I mean, I remember just having like Panic attacks about being like, like, what am I doing? I'm literally investing my entire life into this career where I make no money. And then I'm obsessed with this philosophy that has nothing to do with the career that I'm investing myself into. Like, none of this makes any sense. It doesn't make any sense to be the fucking stand-up comic who knows a ton about Austrian <laughs> economics. Like this, this makes no sense whatsoever. And there were lots of reasonable people in my life who said, you need to stop this. And you need to go fucking like figure out what you're doing with your life. Like go back to school or get a job or do the thing that's going to make sure your rent is paid next month because your life is a lot more important than fucking all this insane shit you're focused on. But the reality of the situation is just that I wasn't going to do that. I just, for whatever reason, this was my calling in life. And this is what I was going to sink myself into. And I, on some level, even though I was fucking really like at at times in a very deep depression about being concerned about whether I was fucking everything up, um, it was just like what I was called to do. And I was just going to keep doing that. And actually, this might have seemed very unlikely and counterintuitive, but me doing that is what put me in the situation where I was probably the best example of what you're talking about through the last couple of years now I'm not saying everyone's gonna have that story that is a little bit different than probably most but I'm just I just bring that up just to make the point that it's like it's it can be a little bit more complicated and nuanced and 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 the final thing I'll say is just it goes back to like it's not a question of like either or or does this solve everything or does this solve everything it's like is this better than not this? That's more what the question is. And so for even that person that you're talking about who might still be in that situation, because I don't I don't imagine that that person is going to become like a successful comedian and podcaster and make a really good living off of that the way I did, but are, is that person who's really not doing everything they need to do to take care of their own personal situation, are they better off removing themselves from a community where they have brothers all around this country who they will at least be able to raise money from and make sure their rent is paid that month and probably could really if they ever wanted to get themselves together could i mean the the our movement has people in every single city and every single state all throughout the fucking country i mean if they wanted to get themselves together they could probably get a fucking hookup from somebody they could like are they better off being a part of this community or not a part of this community i all i'm saying to you is i'm not saying like you're wrong i'm just saying like it's a little bit more nuanced and complicated and maybe they actually are better off being a part of this community than being than retreating from it i it's not so self-evident to me
0: yeah well the, the community part i mean that's that's something that comes up a lot actually it, it's actually probably the part that Comes up the most when uh, when talking about the Mises Caucus. I mean, I mean, uh, John, I think was on. I heard him on the other day on uh, I think it was the Kelly Patrick show. Does a great show. Shout out to Kelly Patrick. Uh, but uh, you know, he was saying you know he you know he supports the Mises Caucus and went on to say why. And he just talked about the amazing community, but never mentioned the politics. And I, I see that from a lot of people where they they mention the community and the community. And I'm not about to deny the value of having a great community, a great community to lean on, uh, communities to help each other get jobs and connect. But it seems that over and over I hear that that is the most valuable part, but if the most valuable part is not the political part, then why do we need the political part? Especially if that political- Is anyone
1: else building a community like that, aside from the politics? See, like the thing- like, is Do you that, think it's a necessary part of it, I guess is my question. Unfortunately, I think in a way. I, I, I think in a way, and it's this kind of like tragic thing, but like, <laughs> in a way, it's kind of tragic. Like you, you have like, to have this this cause to unite you in a way? Yes. Yeah, I kind of think so. And I think that like, dude, when you see, if you see like how excited some like really influential people like have, have got not just like, look, like Michael Malice is if, but it's weird because he's just like a friend of mine, but he's become like fucking rock star. Like he's like, I don't know, is like half a million Twitter followers and is like probably the most famous, uh, like influential anarchist thinker in the world. Um, and it, him and Tim Pool, like guys who have millions of followers and like have these huge platforms and Rogan and Dave Rubin and like all of these guys, they're so excited. Glenn Beck, they're so excited about the Mises Caucus taking over the Libertarian Party. Now, I kind of in my heart of hearts wish that like Tim Poole wasn't like sitting there going like, whoa, so there's this Mises caucus that took over the Libertarian Party and like you might run and Malice might be a press secretary. and like, this is so cool. I wish he was sitting there and going like, did you hear that like the Mises Institute is putting out a new Hoppe book? (laughs) This is so cool. But he's not like, but he's not. That's just the reality of the situation is he's not. And the fact is that embarking on this kind of like political thing, it, yeah, in the same way that like, Look dude, like the Ron Paul fucking movement was just different when he was running for president. And once he wasn't, and he was just doing the Liberty Report, it just didn't have the same energy behind it. And it didn't have the same community behind it. And it didn't have the enthusiasm behind it. Like it just, there is something about that that I don't think is um exactly the way I'd want it to be if I was like, you know, mapping out my ideal world. Um, cause I don't like politics. I don't like, one of the things I really fucking hate about politics is I hate how it fucking pits everyone against each other. I don't want to fucking see like people I like fucking arguing with you and Pete and shit. Like, I don't know. I just, I love everybody. I don't know. Why do we all have to fucking. mean, why like- I'm on the other
0: end just cackling away because like, I find it all entertaining. I don't take any of it too too seriously in reality, but I, I I
1: get what you mean, yeah. But you've been annoyed a, a few times with things. Just and from I saw the that. one guy, really. Maybe two. Yeah, but I saw that in your <laughs> in your episode. You could tell. And don't, don't worry, I'm not like pretending like I'm above it, too. Like, sure, I'm no, annoyed I, at times. I've, when I've you been see enough stupid at,
0: comments in a row, sometimes you're like, alright, this is your... Uh, well,
1: yeah, yeah sure, but of of course, I'm I human. also feel like the, you know, like, and, and I'll be, to be honest, like, there's times where I get annoyed with fucking you guys where it'll be like a thing where it's kind of like, alright, dude, do you have to, like, be shitting on the thing I'm trying to do? Like, you've made your point. Fucking move on. Like how how all day long you got to tweet shitting on the thing I'm trying to fucking do and then it's like I almost have to take a step back and be like, "Jesus, stop. I don't want to like be I don't want to be arguing with my friends. I don't want to be arguing with people I fucking love." And that's, you know, um so uh, again, this is none of this is fucking perfect. I don't love politics, but yeah, I do in a way think that like if we do want to build a movement and build a community and build all of this, this it kind of is necessary that there is this struggle that you're engaged in. And there is this like process that you're like, and, and and to so many of the more influential people, it's like, yeah, that's the way we look at it. And maybe that's hardwired in. Maybe part of that's like, just the like human nature that it's like, oh no, but now you're saying that there's someone else running for the option of who's gonna fucking be in charge of this shit. And that really makes it a thing. You know, like I, I was a, a little bit unrelated, but on what I was saying before, like I've heard people in the, um. In the praxian or post-libertarian, you know, group, like uh, criticize me for saying, well, I I won't engage enough with the the group or something. Like I've I, I someone said that I was like like I was scared to engage uh, with the group because I was afraid I was going to like lose people if they heard from the other side, and which I don't think is uh, fair. But I'm a little biased, I suppose. But I you know I look at it and I'm like I don't I think I'm pretty willing to engage. I don't it wasn't that hard for you to get me on this. (laughs) You just invited me. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And I've debated, you know, Tho and Jason Stapleton and Eric Brakey. And, and, you know, I mean, I've I've done Pete's show and talked about all of these issues. And I did Pete's show with uh, Andrew and talked about all this stuff. Like, I think I've actually engaged quite a bit on it, but you know, it's like part of it's cause like, I don't want to fucking be fighting with people. I like, like, I don't want to do that. I don't, that's not like what I'm in this for. And it's also not like. A big enough thing that it's like, it's almost like I'm just engaging with it just to fight with people who I like. I'd rather just speak to like a bigger fucking audience of, of like people and fucking tell them about the ideas that I think are important. I don't want to be doing that. And that's like, there's these poisonous things that come along with fucking politics, but I do recognize the utility in it. And and I do think that it's like, um, I don't think anybody else is building what we're building. And that's because it's involved in politics, at least partially. What
0: do you think it actually is that that binds the Mises caucus together in this way that that actually creates that sense of community? Is it is it like the fact of being in the third party Is it like the fact of being a third rail because like having all the odds stacked against you in some way, the fact that you have to like would claw and, you know, tooth and nail to just even get any kind of attention. Like what, what is actually the, the driving force behind like, like how the, how you see the political action, the political movement being what actually binds binds the community and then like kind of creates that energy that you're talking about.
1: I, I mean I think there's several things I think that like um um like probably with any libertarian movement like it's like you know there's there's the most base level like what binds us together is kind of like uh we love liberty and we hate injustice you know and like there's so there's that but people really love the idea of living in a free society and really hate the fucking you know things like wars and and fucking lockdowns and shit like that and your you know currency being destroyed and then I think. There was a lot that um, that bound people together about the the battle to take over the Libertarian Party and the battle to like be like no like fuck these guys like they who were you know some really reprehensible people who were like claiming to represent you know that that uh, ideology. And the kind of battle for that. And then I think it's, you know, like the the kind of. I mean, that's what I,
0: I'll admit. That's like what excited me about it at first, too. It was like all these people I like who generally talk about things the way I like trying to kick out the people that don't. You know, the people that represent yeah. that same sort of corporatized, like regime libertarian message, I guess. Um, so so then now that that's been done, I guess, you, well, whether it's been done or not, maybe we could get into a little bit more because I think there are still sure. elements of I don't want to say the Mises caucus, but people associated with the Mises caucus. I don't normally call that many people out and like openly, but I, I, I gotta say, have you seen this Todd, Todd Hagopian guy who is the secretary? Because he is someone who I did call out earlier this week, and he's someone who has... There it was something a year ago where he was openly advocating for vaccines um, for children um, and very angry that the FDA wasn't approving vaccines so he could start stabbing children and, and experimenting on them. Um, and now this guy comes out, he's comparing, you know, and, and I get the treasurer is not like a messaging position. But when this whole thing is about messaging, I think it's fair to at least bring it up when someone promoted and endorsed by the Mises caucus is saying stuff like this. He's comparing bringing kids to drag shows to bring them to church as, as if they're equally evil things. And I'm not even going to go into the part about his career stuff, but supposedly he works in some ESG type shit. But let's just focus on the messaging part. Like, do you uh, think it's well, a problem? about that part. Yeah, I so did let's leave that part aside. Tweet.
1: I did see the tweet uh, about comparing uh religion to the drag shows which was it was bad it was very very okay. bad uh, I'm not as long lie. as we agree I'm it's cringe as
0: fuck. fuck that's a good start
1: yeah it was, <laughs> no it was awful look it was a real but i think he did uh like acknowledge that he was like look i had a bad tweet <laughs> or something like that and he was like look i had a bad tweet but here's how i spent my whole day it was like working on this that and the other thing i mean look i i I don't know. And I yeah. don't expect the you to answer like,
0: for individual people. But again, yeah, it's, well, look,
1: it's, the dude's a CFO and the Mises caucus got behind him to like be the guy running the books. I just don't like, I, again, I'm not defending it. It was like a fucking bad tweet. But if we're going to judge any, like if any movement gets big and we're going to judge them by like, did anyone in that movement have a bad tweet? The guy is not in any sense like a messaging leader. Of the Mises caucus. The truth of it is, and I don't mean to be like fucking uh, sound narcissistic or something like that, but like if there is a messaging leader of the Mises caucus, that's me. That's just the reality of the situation. If there's somebody who like that you want to look to and say, well, what this guy says mo- really represents like what this group is all about and what they believe. So go look at what I had to say about that shit. I guarantee you that. Th- I'm not saying the overwhelming majority. I'm saying in the high 90s percent are feeling what I what I was saying more than what this guy was saying about that. Again, I thought it was a very bad tweet, so I'm not like defending it. I'm just I, I think there's also like um, and and this is something that I think that you um, and maybe not you so much, um, but certainly Pete and Andrew uh, that I've seen like a few of their their uh stuff on twitter recently again i try not to judge any of these people on twitter so much look i love pete i've known pete for a long fucking time he's been on my show a whole bunch of times i've been on his show a whole bunch of times i've hung out with pete a whole bunch of times i love the dude um he is a very intelligent thoughtful person if you fucking if you listen to his show if you have a conversation with him if you know him as a person i I see him tweet stuff sometimes that I'm just like, dude, I don't fucking even get what you're trying to do with this. So that's the truth. But I don't I'm sure I'm the same way on Twitter. Twitter is like the fucking like just worst medium ever. (laughs) It's Um, funny, too, because
0: people I think people that don't know that we all kind of like know each other and like each other might see like some Twitter back and forth and think like, cause I saw some people like when I posted this in our, our Facebook group that we were doing this interview or the stream, people were like, Oh, I'm glad you guys are, are going to make up. I hope you guys can patch things up. <laughs> I'm know, like, it's... what did something happen? Because like, I don't even think it doesn't even occur to me that well, then, this would that's, be personal. Again, this is one know? of the
1: problems in politics. It's like everyone yeah. gets into their camp and assumes whoever's not in their camp is like their enemy or something. I, I, you know, but I do think that there, w- there has been this like, uh, like attempt from some of those guys to, to pounce on every fucking oh, yeah. like, thing I'm that they perceive as a misstep. Oh, look at this! This random tweet totally proves that everything I said up to this point was completely right, which is always kind of cringe and lame. It's like you're. Oh, I mean, I, I, I saw people jumping on the LP for tweeting about the war in Yemen and saying, "Oh, that proves that they don't really care about blue collar Americans; they only care about what's going on in Yemen." Like, dude, there's literally a bill, like a war powers resolution to like end the war in Yemen and the libertarian party like tweeted about how like, hey, you should support this because there's a genocide going on. I mean, come on. Like you're you're like criticizing that. I I just I don't know. Like it's just it's some of this stuff is like ridiculous. And then to be like saying like, you know, like jumping on any person who I don't know. I just don't think it means anything to like jump on someone who like had a bad tweet and go, aha, Conquest's law is proven correct. That because after five days, we found one thing and then ignoring three other things that completely contradict that. I mean, I don't know. The Libertarian Party is now tweeting out Hoppe quotes and praising Lou Rockwell. Okay. No, you're not those same people aren't looking at that and going, "Ah shit, that really disproved everything that I said was going to happen." So, okay, and by the way, I'm not saying it does disprove everything you said is going to happen. I'm just saying it's very easy to be like to to try to jump on things to say, "Aha, this proves I was right all along." So, I I think that's been there's been like some silliness in that area. The the treasurer had a bad tweet. It it's very very silly. To compare um, religious ceremonies to drag,
0: I I think his thing is more than one bad tweet because he has a a history of, I think, bad takes. But it's neither here nor there, and I don't want to make it about one guy or whatever. But I think it is like it's kind of like you said before. There is like that the problem of politics in general, um, whether we're talking about the Libertarian Party or not. That when you have to like coalition build in a sense to make anything happen. Yep. And I think that's, I mean, we even saw this in, you know, in phases of the takeover, you know, there was, you know, like the thing with Josh, which I don't even, I'm not going to pretend to know all the details of. I just know that there was someone else that was supported ahead of Josh. And, and then um, who maybe had some questionable, equally questionable takes on some things. And, and, and then I think you came out and pretty strongly for Josh. And it turned out he ended up getting it after a little more of a, a fight there. But you know, I think it's just and who's more solid than Josh on, on all the issues that, you know, you guys would would want someone to be solid on. So it to me, it's like I already see little elements and I don't think it's necessarily because anyone in the Mises Caucus or the Libertarian Party is bad. I think it's just the incentive structure of political parties overall are that unless you're going to make it we are explicitly about this one thing or explicitly about this set of beliefs and this philosophy, you almost are going to be forced to welcome in these elements that are going to have these, sh- like these poor,
1: these poor takes. So how do you, how do you cope with all that? I guess. Well, I mean, I, you know, you try to guard against it as best you can, but I mean that, that I think you're right. Like about to, that, to what extent think- can you gatekeep, I guess is, is the question, or would you even want to? So I think that this is, I think this is true in organizations in general, and then true in politics, just like the bigger the organization gets. But I mean, these problems exist with Trump. They will exist with DeSantis, the the bigger he gets. I think this is just a thing in politics. I mean, you look at Donald Trump with all the rhetoric in, in 2016, and then he's fucking taking Sheldon Adelson money and he's putting, you know, like John Bolton as his national security advisor. And like, you know, this does happen. As you have to, like you said, it's kind of a a problem in politics as you have to coalition build and all of these things. I think that, um, look, there are, like, why is it that the, say, the Mises Institute, um, which is, I I guess, not, maybe, is this a challenge to conquest? That's not an expressly right-wing organization, right? Right i would well
0: i would say they are maybe there's not a sentence have they ever
1: said we're a right wing organization
0: i can't speak on that Uh, i i would i I view them as one let's put it that way and i think yeah
1: but but we're talking about are they expressly right wing? i mean i i think it's like no they've never they're not really in fact they have very prominent people like walter block who will say they're neither left nor right murray rothbard in at least in uh um um Left, right, in the prospects for liberty, put libertarianism all the way on the left. I mean, he may have, you know, he kind of he he changed his mind about what political movement in America. What what year, Rothbard? Are we talking about? Is is always the question. Well, Yeah, that was that was in the '60s. But I'm saying that he 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 never really repudiated that. He said that the American right was more, you know, like was more in line Mm. with where libertarian was in the '90s. But regardless, my the point I'm making is that it's like, well, why is it that you think, you know, why is it that none of us have any concern? That the Mises Institute is going to like take some awful oh, I think, like left wing direction. I think it's, it's because we know who
0: runs the Mises Institute, exactly. and we know they're not going to exactly do that. My so point. they gatekeep themselves. Exactly. So how it's does the Libertarian Party do that?
1: Well, th- that's the point I'm making, though. But th- so the answer to the question is exactly what you said, because fucking Lou Rockwell runs it, and Jeff right. Dice is the president. Exactly. That's why, because people of like like m- who have moral integrity and have character run it. So. Ultimately, I think the best gatekeeping against that is to just try to have people like who have real moral character involved. And so what I try to do, and I'm I'm not saying I'm, you know, on the level of any of those guys, but I'm just saying like what I try to do is be like, okay, my main focus is to always be that, is to always try to make sure that I'm so my my response is like to these things is like, okay, well, I'm gonna take the fucking strongest message against these insane drag shows with these kids. And I'm going to blast that out and make sure that that's the dominant message that everyone hears as like, this is the message coming from the Mises caucus with the Josh Smith situation. I literally came out and endorsed him and then gave his nomination speech, you know? And, and, and by the way, there were, they, the caucus never supported someone else over Josh. There were, yeah, I didn't want to get into the weeds. I don't know all the details. But just there. saying like, no, cause I know a little bit more about the background of all that. There were it. It just wasn't as simple as that. There were other issues that were going on behind the scenes that needed to get like hammered out and that 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 were concerns and stuff. Um, but regardless, Josh won, and I think it's great that he won. he's the guy he was the right guy for that job, and I did everything I could to try to get him you know to help him with that so the the hope with all of this, no matter what you're talking about. With any type of political action, whether it's DeSantis or whether it's Tho Bishop or whether it's me or whether it's like anyone else, it's like you have to hope that you get people who have enough integrity that in those situations they will still kind of do what's right. And so that's you know I my heroes are guys like Ron Paul and and Lou Rockwell and Jeff Dice and guys who I think that don't compromise in those situations. And so hopefully I can try to live up to that and and so can other people in the in the Mises caucus and so can other people outside of the Mises caucus. like that's kind of all of our hope i I'll tell you, even just having my um my like having my podcast audience grow a lot over the last few years i've I've felt this. It's all of a sudden you start feeling this pressure, dude like it's like a different thing. like i I know that like if I just went trumpian right winger like i remember feeling this in like 2017 2016 2017 2018 like dude if i just went on this path i'd be a fucking million like i could be a multi-millionaire off this shit it's just there's just way bigger of an audience for that than there is being the ancap podcaster and it's you know there's like these weird pressures that you feel all the time and so I, I hope that I've at least had enough experience dealing with those pressures to try to be like, you know, prepared for the ones that come in the future. But there's there, this, is, this is something all of us feel. And I know even, I think you addressed this uh, uh, in the episode about the Mises Caucus, where you go, you kind of know that there was some danger in coming out against it. You know, yeah, it's, a, yeah, yeah. it's a weird position to be in when you have a huge portion of your audience who you know is gonna be really furious at you for saying mm-hmm. a thing. That's a weird situation to be in, but if you're feeling something and you believe it, you kind of like okay. So I have a choice here in front of or me, or
0: when I know that my other two co-hosts and business partners also don't don't agree. You know, it's like yeah, but it's also I don't even think I don't think you would want me to just say what you guys wanted to hear if I didn't believe it either. Yeah. You know, so I'm always no, going to say I, the I thing I'm feeling right. at the time. You know, and I I might
1: look back in a year and say what what a fool I was being. Or I remember having I I had a moment when I was um when I first started getting like Fox News shows. Um, and I started. I started getting on, like maybe 2016 or something like that. I started getting on Kennedy a lot, and Gutfeld started using me, and Red Eye. So there were like these three shows on Fox that I started like doing. They all liked me and were having me on a lot. And I had someone from the network like talk to me. And it's not like it's not like something where they were like, "Okay, you got to like sell out and do this." It wasn't like anything blatant like that. But they were like, "Look, they're considering you for uh, like a contributorship type thing, and that." You know it was kind of like this thing like oh like there's people like watching you like there's execs who are like you Be you maybe think, a little maybe four could. bombing in yemen and maybe well we could, it was like more or less that now this was is it about that issue yemen. specifically or just uh, or, or no or i just... guess yemen had just yemen had started um but it was kind of like they were just like look like it, i don't even remember exactly the way it was said but it was kind of like look you know there's certain things that like, probably will be a deal breaker. Like it was kind of like, just, it was just, and I just, it was made clear to me without even anyone expressly saying it, that it was like, Hey, there's a thing I could do here that would, that would give me a much better chance of like having a clear path to like a lot of money and, and success. And at the time I was really not. I did not have money or success. You know, I was like, I was just starting to like, you know, make okay money, but not nothing that good. And I remember like almost being torn, like being like, fuck, man, if I was just a Republican, this would really put me in a better situation than, and I don't even mean, this is like even, not even like a good Tho Bishop Republican, that won't fucking work. You know what I mean? Like, just like a, a, your average shitty Republican. Mm -hmm. And I remember just having this moment where I was just like, you know what? I can't fucking act anyway and I just don't want to like feel like I'm fucking like a sellout. So I'm just going to be me and the chips will for- fall where they may. And I like no matter what the thing is whether it's being with the Mises caucus or being critical of it or anything else like that, that's what I encourage you to do. That's what that's like what I encourage everyone to do. I just think it's a better way to be. Uh just like be you, tell the truth the way you see it and fucking and, and and you know try to be humble and open-minded and shit like that but tell the truth the way you fucking see it and that's let the chips fall where they may i think that's the best it's not just the best like business plan but it's just the best way to live
0: yeah well i'm, I'm definitely not gonna push back there i think uh we're in full <laughs> agreement on that as just a a life a life philosophy so to speak um yeah. one more thing i just want to dig into before i'll let you let you go go here but uh just um talking about like the the real world politics of things. And when I think about like the the potential things that I see being problems in the next two years. And maybe, I don't know if you see this possibility as as near as I do, but like, I I don't think we've seen the last of lockdowns, the last of vaccine mandates, the last of this sort of thing. I think we've seen the last of this iteration of it, but I, I do think this is coming back. I think this was just sort of round one. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm a little too much of a conspiracy theorist or what have you, but that's like, so I guess my question is like, what is the libertarian? And I don't mean we have all the answers kind of way. I just mean like when you're trying to talk to everyday people who say like live in Florida or something like that, or maybe in just a locality where let's say like their local local Republican government was able to do something small, whether it was like removing a mask mandate or or maybe something like DeSantis, where he actually like disallowed uh, vaccine mandates for for workers in that state. How do you communicate through the libertarian party about like like how you guys can help people that have those concerns in those places where where, where their local politics did actually give them a better life. How do you insert like the libertarian ideas there? And would you like, are, would you say politically, do you, would you want the Libertarian Party to like, I don't know if I, I don't know if back off is the word, but like to not be as active in certain areas like like running against the DeSantis or running someone against a, a Massey or a Rand Paul or, or a Glenn Jacobs or something like that? Would you would you not would you want them to be like to be more focused and I guess leave places like that more alone where they already have someone who's really strong?
1: Yeah, so this is, uh, I think, where um, me and you probably have a lot of uh, agreement, and the, the old guard in the Libertarian Party, who we just overthrew, were absolutely, you know, I would drive them nuts when I say this, but I, I this is, you know, I think I, I got a lot of support from basically the people who are running the Libertarian Party now on this. So, I'd say, so, so, number one, I think that, like, I'm... I'm very much in agreement with you and the spirit of what you were saying um, on, on the podcast you did about the Mises Caucus that like, it, it's, it, and again, it's almost like, just like, are you a human being or not type thing that you go, look, yeah. the last two and a half years have been fucking crazy. This is the craziest thing that ever happened. Like what, if you don't like already ever. just start with that as like a baseline, okay. It's a thousand now- times crazier than nine eleven. It's yes, a thousand like, times
0: crazier that they just it told dwar- everyone to lock themselves in their house, said, we got to dwarfs- stick a thing in your arm or you don't have a job.
1: Like it's completely insane. But I also don't even, I can't even like understand how anyone it, from the libertarian perspective can understand this. Like the government just by like, like emergency fiat decreed that they have the right to tell you your job is a crime and you can't leave your house like what the fuck this is something out of like a dystopia this is like something out of a movie that a libertarian would write and yeah. to, to show you like the evils of government you know what i mean like it's and and at the same time like print a ton of money and give it all out to corporations and all like every inch of it was like just something out of a fucking like dystopian novel or so. so um and and for people to not recognize that now, I think I've been, you know, if you uh, listen to my show over the last two and a half years, I've just just been obsessively focused on the COVID oh. regime. Like that's been- How could you not be? Like focus. it seems crazy to not be yeah. obsessed with it. <laughs> and I was blown away by like, you know, me and uh, Tom Woods made fun of this a whole bunch when I was on his show one time in the last couple of years. And I've talked about this a lot, but like when people in the old guard of the libertarian party would be they'd be like, it'd be like June of 2020. And they'd be like tweeting about civil asset forfeiture or something. And you're like, right. Guys, like, I mean, look, I don't think cops should be robbing people on the highway either, but like, Wait, what? Like, what are we even talking about? They're like, no one cares. This is people are fucking like wearing masks in parks right now. What's what are you talking about? You know. So I I think this is the craziest thing ever. Now, are there going to be more lockdowns? Uh, I I really don't know, and I I think people get into silly maybe not everywhere. I guess is the difference. Like some yeah,
0: but, California. I, I mean, yep, probably next week. Uh, but yeah, Florida. Maybe. I don't think so.
1: Right. And and but I also think people get into goofy territory when they start making like certain predictions about what's going to happen. I don't know. Should we like take the threat of that very seriously? Yeah. Yes, I guess that's I more would, my point. We should take agree. the threat of it coming yes. back very seriously. That I that I completely agree with. Now, what I will say is that and and this is something that I've said in like a lot of LP spaces and ruffled some feathers, uh, particularly with the people who are not in the Mises camp, not really in the Mises caucus so much. Um, but that I go look. I am not in this uh, this libertarian party because I want to prove to everyone that I have a, a like. And this is the the problem with so many libertarians that I have like a perfect libertarian and cap score in the imaginary quiz in my head. Like, look, you asked me ten questions and I got non-aggression on all ten of them. I'm better than you. There's too many libertarians are like in that space. And that's like, that's not what I care about. What I care about is actual liberty and real human beings' lives. That's what matters. You know what I mean? Like that's the, so if there are, um, whether, you know, theoretically, even if they were Democrats, although that just doesn't really exist, but if there are Republicans who did a really good job of giving their people more liberty than would have been had over whether there was a Democrat in there, then no, I don't think we should be running against them. I don't think we should run anyone against Ron DeSantis. I don't think we should run anyone against Christy Nome. I don't think we should run anyone against the people who were actually really good on the lockdowns. Now, I'll give that with the caveat of maybe like, I wouldn't necessarily be against legally extorting them. You know, like if you, if you had an LP candidate in Florida who was like polling at the difference between Ron DeSantis and the Democrat, and you were to go like, well, look, we could run against you. Can you legalize
0: you. weed? <laughs> and
1: then we'll- Well, but, <laughs> no, I wouldn't even say legalize weed. I don't mean that issue per too, se, but
0: some kind of concession that, on
1: something. But I'd say that's too hard to push a Republican on, because it's like, look, I understand you can't destroy all of your political capital. You know, like, let's be really Machiavellian about this and just go like, okay, well, look, you know what you could do, though, is I got a list of 300 people who are in- florida state prisons over nonviolent gun possession charges and i want all of them you know pardoned yeah. you, you do that, that and we're gone we drop off the ballot and that's it and you get you know like i'm not against, if like, that's I a think real scenario like i want to argue against it that would be that yeah, would like, be great stuff like that i think we should do Should we ever be in a situation where we're going to be the difference between a Democrat winning (laughs) the governorship of Florida over Ronda Zetas? No, because that's insane if you actually care about liberty. So, no, I don't. So, you know, to your question of, like, what's the libertarian message to, like, you know, someone in a in a community in Florida or in, in like some state like that, the message is like
0: someone who doesn't care about the philosophy. I guess what I'm saying, they just care about their lives. You know, they they just they're not even thinking about high level. You know, the, the nature of the state. Yeah. They they just know I had my job threatened, and then this guy made me be allowed to keep my job because yeah, you know, and protect me from the
1: regime. Look, it's the same thing. Like as always with libertarianism, you know, it's you outflank them from the side that they're best on. So it's like, yeah, liberty was pretty damn important for you in that case. Right. And that's why we're not going to run against this guy because he really like kept more liberty Mm -hmm. in your life. And by the way, it's really fucked up that he even locked down for a few weeks or whatever he did. Mm -hmm. He shouldn't have done that at all because that's our position. Right. Is like the government has no right to ever tell you to do that. And so like so it would be something like that. Now, running for president is a different thing. Because what we know from yeah. all of these guys, like even Ron DeSantis becomes president, he'd be just as awful as Trump, he'd be just as awful as the rest of them. The federal government's kind of a whole different beast. But as governor, nah, man, that, like, I, I think it's so goofy when libertarians are in this like space where, you know, Ron DeSantis, I, I believe, beat the Democrat who he ran against by a very slim margin. And if that Democrat was the governor of Florida, real human beings would have had so much less liberty in their mm-hmm. lives over the last couple of years. So like, no, I don't I don't believe we should. And then the idea of like I was gonna say primarying. I always make not primarying, but you know what I mean, but running against Rand Paul or Thomas Massey or something like that. I I find this to be insane. Of course not. What do you want to maybe like pull liberty voters away from like the couple good guys that we have like, this just makes no sense i mean
0: to me like in, in places like that if anything if the libertarian party is active in that area like maybe the thing to do is to endorse that candidate even in, in an extreme yeah. case like like a rand paul yeah. or a tom massey are like to me it's a slam dunk but a lot of people would say no you can't support republicans you know so that, i mean a lot of it, the old guard
1: i, I don't care about party loyalty i don't care about what letter you have next to your name you know that doesn't mean anything but again i'm not even with those guys i'm not necessarily opposed to uh maybe extorting maybe i shouldn't be saying that publicly but you know what i mean by that but like uh pressure i like it i like extorting to go like to go, look like we won't run against you, but we're we're gonna have some demands. But they also should be like very reasonable demands. You know, you can't go to like Ron DeSantis and go, but you have to be an anarcho capitalist. You know, it can't <laughs> be like something stupid. But it could be like, hey, look, we have like these very simple things that we that you could do. They don't, again, like the example I used is just off the top of my head. I don't know. I think of other things, but the example of like pardoning, like gun possession, you know, the, you know, crimes or something like that, like something where you're like, look, you can do this and you can pull this off and you can sell this to your people. I'm not asking you to like commit political suicide because obviously that can't happen, but I can ask you to do this. And there's no reason why you can't. And you could even sell this as like, look, we have a second amendment in this country for a reason and blah, 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 whatever. So I have no problem with, I, I think that in general, my my vision is that I think the Libertarian Party should get real and get serious. I think that we should, um, w- w- there, there's a lot of possibilities of things where like, say even someone like Tho Bishop, what he's trying to do and what I'm trying to do can very nicely work together where it's like, oh, look, if there's like a fucking, you know, um, uh, some neocon, god awful Republican running, and the Libertarian Party is the difference. Then we go, yeah, we're gonna make sure you can't win. And then if they run some guy who's like, you know, uh, anti-war, America Firster type guy, then go, well, if, if he wins the primary, then we'll pull back a little bit. Like I'm not, I'm not opposed to moves like that again, because like my major concern isn't whether. You know, like like the same thing, like you've talked about a lot. It's like my major concern isn't like whether other libertarians consider me the perfect libertarian. My concern is like whether we actually do something that makes life better. That's just, that's what's important to me, not that. And I I remember you saying on one of your shows, um, where you were talking about uh, I think it was I think it was about um maybe it was about Abbott or DeSantis I don't know but it was about one of them banning businesses from having like private uh vaccine, you know, requirements mm-hmm. and you were like, yeah, I'm for it. I don't care. I don't care if that makes me not a libertarian or not. I'm for it. Yeah. And I get that. I get that completely. And it's and, and it's not even to me that's not even saying like, oh, that makes you, you know, like some idiot might say that makes you not a libertarian, but I don't look at things that way. I think that just makes you a real person who's taking these libertarian ideas and engaging with them. In reality, in a serious way.
0: I mean, yeah, I could if I if I cared to, I could spend the time to craft an argument about why that's defense and it's it's not violating the NAP. But I also just don't care.
1: You know, it's like No, and I but I understand that, but I'm just saying I, I guess maybe in a sense I am taking the time to craft that argument, but I'm just saying it's like, look, man, if I see like these you know, like if you were in a situation where like they're like, let's say democratically speaking, real deal communists were gonna take over your country. Like real communists, you know, they were like, "Look, the Communists have like sixty percent of the vote, and they're mm-hmm. going to be running your department of Agriculture, and they're actually going to be collectivizing the entire like food supply. like re- like literally a hundred million people are going to starve to death if these people get in there. This is going to be an absolute nightmare. And then there were like some social Democrats kind of doing some unlibertarian things who were like fighting against them. like, now, me and you may not like social Democrats. But if you just like go, I support the social Democrats because these fucking commies will have a starving in the streets. And somebody goes, well, that's not completely libertarian because <laughs> right. the social Democrats believe in interventionist policy. It's like, yeah, I know. But in this current battle right now, like I can understand where you're like, yeah, but I kind of think they're the better option right now. And the truth is that when you have the biggest like propaganda campaign in the in our lifetime, and the government's locking people down, and it's just like literally like destroying people's lives. And then they're having riots where cops stand down as they loot and burn down your stores and your like all this shit. And then there's one guy who stands up against it, but also just doesn't want to give you freedom to do what the corporate press has propagandized you to do over the last few years. Like the idea that I have to fight that battle, like I, I think a lot of that shit is fucking like. I think that the the libertarians who give you shit for that are goofy libertarians who are mostly the type of people who we've been overthrowing not really represented by like what our camp has been doing.
0: Goofy is the nicest way to put it. I agree. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>
1: um, cool day. Well, I, I'm, I'm pretty much about
0: to hit my second two hour podcast in, in as many nights after the tower gang, uh, ran me through the ringer last night. So we'll wrap up, but uh, just, just to go back to something that you mentioned it earlier. And I, I just want to see if we can get, uh, I don't expect you to give us a hard date, but like you did say like, this is something you have to decide on pretty soon. So do you at least have a timeline in mind for like, okay, I have to decide if I'm going to be the guy, if I'm going to run for president, in by X date ish. Do you have like a a vague idea? I guess I I would say,
1: I don't know. I mean, definitely this year I'm going to have to uh, decide. So in, I I think probably I'd say in the next three months, I'll know. Okay. I don't know if I'll tell you, (laughs) but I'll know. (laughs) I assume I'll be the first to get the text in the next two, three months. I think, I think I I will have to uh, make up my mind on that one way or the other and you know i i do think kind of like as i said before that if i look if i if i feel like i can fucking do something that i think is going to be important and if i feel like there's no one else who can do that then i think i'm gonna have to uh i'm gonna have to do it you know i first when i first talked to my wife about the idea i thought she would give me the great out i was like i'm gonna bring this up to my wife and i'm gonna be like look there's all these people who want me to run for president isn't that fucking ridiculous? but i totally understand you don't want me to so all right i won't do it she's like no 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 great As idea. I, said, I totally understand isn't that crazy and if since you don't and baby i'll always do what you need me to do so it's okay <laughs> you can. and she went you have to do that
0: oh boy and then well I was now like, you're, oh, you're definitely shit. gonna do it then i mean come on we like, know how oh, this works
1: shit so she fucking she didn't give me the uh she didn't give me what i was hoping for but um <laughs> But so I don't know. I think I'll I'll have to I'll have to make up my mind pretty soon and then uh and then we'll fucking we'll go from there. Either way, I'll tell you if I do it, it'll be fucking epic. I'll tell you that much.
0: It will be epic. I I will agree I will agree it will be something to watch cuz look, despite, you know, my criticisms and you know, there are a lot of reasons I don't necessarily think this is a, going to be politically productive or actively productive in some ways. At the same time, you know, inside me, inside everyone, inside me there are two Mark Clares. There is dark, Mark. I guess you could say it. the background's still dark, by the way. So I don't know if you got me all the way to the light yet. Ah, shit, I lost. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and there's also uh, the old Mark that's still in there who enjoys this show so to speak um the show called libertarianism here and um i'm interested to see where it all goes Uh, i'm not going to act like i didn't enjoy seeing like the loser brigade people flip flip out and and all this stuff of course i i like seeing people i like beat people i like less so i'm here for the ride i guess you could say and i'll probably be snarky snarky on twitter about it along the way as well but at the end of the day i i mean we're all pretty much We all want the same things, I think, or at least you and I and and the reasonable ones here. Maybe not not everybody, but uh, and. I'm here for it either way, so mm-hmm. so I guess we'll just see what happens. But Dave, I do thank you for coming on, spending almost two hours here uh, with me, going through this stuff, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it all goes. I will say that.
1: Well, thank you, brother. And I've I've literally never once come on this show and not just had a great time. So I always enjoy talking like with you,
0: so. except that one time with the weird abortion story. That was kind of, but you
1: know, whatever. I don't need to get involved. Oh, I even like her. She's very nice. By oh, she the way, is very nice. But, yeah. Goddamn, that was a but, fucking but yeah. weird one. Um. But yeah, <laughs> shout out to John for fucking helping us figure out this, every few uh, months.
0: I see that interview come up on Twitter. Like, here's that up. Here's that weird. Yeah. The times I go to this timestamp to hear the
1: crazy thing. But yeah, whatever. I was, that might be the most thrown off by anything I've ever had. On a podcast. <laughs> I think I'll even Walter block like, didn't know what to say. For um, once. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> weird. Well, I guess oh, we're going to wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Hi, brother, be good, good luck, brother. Take care. <laughs> All right, gang. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with uh, the great. I'll say it. The great Dave Smith. And uh, I hope uh, if it wasn't clear already to some people, uh, we can disagree on things. We can disagree on strategies, on philosophy, on past. And when I say we, I don't just mean me and Dave or me and Brian or me and Odie or me and anybody uh, and still be friends and friendly and all of that stuff, which a lot of chatter seems to think some people think otherwise, and I think that just goes part of two part of what I've been saying this whole time is to stop making this your identity. Uh, when you don't make it your identity, you don't take stuff personally. When you don't make it your identity, you don't take criticisms of, of a certain strategy or a certain path uh, personally. and uh, we can all continue to have these conversations, and uh, we don't need to, you know, be enemies because of it, I guess, is, is the point. So I hope you enjoyed my discussion here with Dave today, and uh, we will continue to have more discussions like these. Going forward, and you can get the discussions. Earlier than the rest of the folks by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash lionsofliberty over at locals, I do want to make some special requests. If you are listening to this, why don't you give a subscribe to my sub stack where I will be doing a lot more writing this summer, MarkClaire.Substack.com. Also, if you're listening on the Lions of Liberty network feed, thank you. Please leave us a five star rating and a great review. If you are not, or even if you are, could you hop over? Just quickly do me a favor. Type lions of liberty with Mark Clare in your podcast feed that is the feed that just contains this show and some other bonus extra kind of repurposed content that I'll put out. If you could subscribe to that feed and give that puppy a five-star rating and a great review, that'll do wonders to help me as well. I've taken enough of your time, friends. You got a lot to think about, a lot to sit on. Until next week. Live long and live free and live free and live free and live free.